Old Testament, Exodus 28 through 11, and one out of the New Testament, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. God speaks to us in his word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Janelle. Good morning. Everybody doing okay today? Good. At least one person is not doing terrible. I heard an excellent out there. Glad for whoever that is. My name is Ben. Um, if I haven't met you yet, I serve as the lead pastor here at Frontline Shawnee and uh, one of many pastors in our church, church-wide. And um, today we are talking about a topic that I feel as uh, though I'm an expert in, like I have mastered this, and the topic is rest. I'm super good at it. I just have totally accomplished a state of nirvana in my life. Like just totally, I'm restful all the time. And I know that you are as well. We've been preaching through a series called Rhythms of Grace. And basically, these are, we've kind of replaced the term spiritual disciplines, but these rhythms of grace are so that we can, um, based on how God has ordered our lives and ordered creation and ordered us, so that we can know God and continue to know him. Rhythms, rhythms are helpful for our life. We all have certain rhythms that we sort of uh, subscribe to. We get up every morning for the most part, um, brush our teeth. Hopefully, you know, that's one of the rhythms. Some of y'all even comb your hair in the morning. It's a rhythm. We eat every day. We eat at certain times of the day. We take walks. We, I don't know, go to work. We come home. We hang out with kids. These are rhythms. Why do we do those things? Because that's us managing our life and ourself. But we don't treat our spiritual life in the same way. And I want to invite you today as we jump into this, man, it's been... <laughs> There is nothing that is worse for the human ego than preaching a sermon. I'm just letting you know. Me getting ready to preach on some of these topics and feeling my total inadequacy is uh, a bit overwhelming at times. Today, I wanna invite you, I really do, I wanna invite you, let's swallow our pride. Let's learn what the Bible would say to us about how then we should live. Open your heart, open your mind. You might absolutely hate God today. I don't know why you're here. You might 
not like God. You might be curious about God. You might have been dragged here. I have no idea why you're here. You might just be here because it's America and we're in Oklahoma and you're supposed to go to church. I don't know. But let's change our perspective today and let's be here because we're hungry. Let's be here because we want to know what it means to follow Jesus with our lives. Last week we talked about work. Uh, Pastor David Adair from Edmond came and preached on work. Preached two things, basically two extremes of work, which are overworking and underworking. Overworking, work is our idol. We work because that's who we are. We are defined by what we do. And then we underwork because we want to live a life of perpetual vacation. And we don't really adhere to what the Bible says about work. What it says is to work heartily to the Lord when everything you do, and word or deed, do to the glory of God. So we neglect work because work is just so that we can live or not a vocation. Or we overwork because our identity is wrapped up in our bank account and how much we produce. I... <laughs> I found myself saying, yes, I'm both of those things at times. This week is rest. Our culture has an interesting relationship with rest. When you introduce yourself to someone, what is it that you say about yourself? And what is it that you ask about them? Let me portray for you what I know we all do. Hi, my name is Ben. What's your name? Cool, what do you do? Hi, my name is John, what's your name? Cool, what do you do? What if I were to ask somebody this? What if I were to say, hi, my name is Ben, what's your name? What is your identity? <laughs> Tell me about your soul. What are the things that you struggle with the most? Who are you? Can you imagine that? That would be an immediate social blacklist. But we do, we ask people, I do this, what do you do? Because in our culture, what we do defines us. I make judgments on you based on what job you have, what career you have. And on some level, it's appropriate because that says something about your personality but on a cultural level, that's all we are. I tell people I'm a pastor. I tell you I'm a pastor. And what do you automatically think about me? Well, there's no telling. <laughs> He's probably pretty lame. He's probably not a very good hangout. <laughs> I don't know. We define people in our culture by what they do. We don't even really ever get to the heart of who they are. And you know what's true is we don't even know who we are. We don't know. When's the last time you sat alone with your thoughts? When's the last time you contemplated your own life? When's the last time you sat with God? You might even think it's weird to even use this terminology. I feel it in the room every time we do confession and assurance in this room and we say, hey, take a minute after we've confessed, take a minute to let it go from your head to your heart. I feel the room go, wait, what? Like literally, my brain to my heart? We don't like to talk about our heart. We don't know our heart. <laughs> we 
do not know how to do one of the most important things in all of church history and the scripture. Something that is so crucial to knowing God, rest. My story with rest is so up and down, I'm not good at it. Here's my thoughts. It's up to me. You are up to me. This church, up to me. I even go so far as to think the kingdom of God, up to me. Here, God's placed me here. This is where I am, three counties. I got it. I feel the vision. I see it. I got to do it. I like to put myself in a position that only God is, which is the head of the body. The Bible says Jesus is the head of the body. This is me. And you know what that does? That leads to a life of anxiety. The other problem that I have is that I'm also a risk taker. (laughs) People's well-being, emotional and spiritual health, maturity and participation, all up to me. I'm a risk taker as well, so that makes life real interesting. Anxious. Uh, I grew up with no dad, no guidance. I had to figure it out on my own, and I got really good at it. Some of you are the same. We're good at figuring it out, man. Got proud about how I figured it out. I don't need you. I don't need nobody else. One problem, though, is that I'm always in competition, and it's not competition with anybody else. I'm not very competitive when it comes. I played sports. I coached sports. I went to college, played sports. What made me good at baseball was I was always in competition, but not with a batter. I was always in competition with an ideal version of myself, which was a perfect baseball player, one who does not miss who is a perfect pastor, one who does not miss, one who sees it all, has intuition for it all, can preach it all, and there's widespread revival every time. You think I'm crazy. These are the thoughts that go through my head. Again, this doesn't lead to a lot of rest for a man. Anxiety to do anything that I want automatically be good at. You ever do that? You ever just avoid things that you go, I don't think I'm going to be good at that, so I probably better not. (laughs) Let's try a little bit of a social experiment today. I know you're already uncomfortable, but so am I. (laughs) If I were to call you individually and corporately, if I were to say you are a thief, how would you feel? If I were to call you a liar, you're a manipulator, how would you feel about that? It's getting a little worse. How about this? You care more about what people think than you do anything else. How would you feel about that? We're starting to get a little bit worse. But let me try this one. You are lazy. How do we feel? It is the worst possible scenario in our life in America. 
We hate the idea of it. We are addicted. Our identity, everything about us is wrapped up in what we produce and how people view what we produce. We are work addicted. I'm preaching to myself. (laughs) Neglecting rest, according to the Bible, is every bit as much sinful as any other thing. But here's the good news, and this is what we're going to talk about today. This is great news. God himself is the God of rest. Not just eternal rest, but now rest. I love Psalm 23 because it confirms that Jesus, that God is Lord, but then it also attributes what he does for us. It lets us know what he's going to do. And it says this, he makes me do something. What is it? If you know the verse, what does it say? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me somewhere, but where does he lead me? Beside still water. He restores my soul. We're going to move around the Bible a bit today. It's not my favorite thing to do, but it's necessary, I think. We need to see what God says about resting. If you take notes, now's the time. Words will be on the screen. We'll start in Genesis 1. The first point is this. You were, we are created for rest. We are created for it. In Genesis 1, God has created the heavens and the earth. He took six days to do it. And here's what happens towards the end. He says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Remember that. And there was evening and then there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And then on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed, not the first through the sixth, but he blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Just in case you missed why he blessed it, it goes ahead and tells us, God blessed that day, the last day, the not working day, he blessed it. And he made that day, the not working day, he made that day holy. And just in case you're wondering again why he did that, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. He blessed the day of rest. Does God need rest? The Bible says that he doesn't grow weary or faint. He runs and doesn't grow weary. It also says that he never sleeps nor slumbers. Does God need rest? Does he ever get tired? Think about God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everywhere. He doesn't need rest. What is he doing? What's he doing? What's he saying to us? He is saying something. He's saying this. I created you for rest, and I am now modeling for you what it means to live a life of restfulness. Work, work, work. Work, 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 rest. God is not you, and you are not him. And directly after this moment, After this is the creation of man in Genesis 2. God is trying to show us how to live. Rest, then creation. Rest starts. It's also the story of the Christian life. Here's how your life, if you're a Christian, here's how it starts. You did not work for your salvation. You never could. You are not that good. 
God himself comes and finds you totally dead in sin and he breathes life into your bones and you come alive. And then you know what happens next? Ephesians says, time to get to work. No, we are seated with him in heavenly places. That is our posture. And at the very last of, I love Ephesians, at the very last of Ephesians, after all of what God has done and where he's placed us in our identity is seated with God. It's a deep breath. Then in chapter four, now because that you are seated, because of rest, because of what God has done, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Sit first, then walk. God's showing us how to live. The first thing he shows us is rest is a rhythm. It is a rhythm. There's daily rest. There's evening and morning in the creation. There's a separation of day and night. Night is for rest. It has to stop. We work and then it stops. Why? God is, again, modeling it for us. Weekly rhythm. Work times six, then rest. Work every day, then go home. Two things here that we struggle with that God does. The first is this, we struggle to say anything is good. Anything that we put our hands to, we struggle to go, this is good. God did it, he created the heavens and the earth. And after it was done, he said, it's very good. We're just not equipped for that. We're never satisfied. We're always trying to one up. Our head is always in the weeds. And then the second thing that he does is God stops he quits the work, and then he reflects on all that he has done. We're terrified of this too. We're terrified of reflection. We are terrified of silence. We're terrified of our own heartbeat and our own mind. God is never satisfied. I mean, God is satisfied, but we are not. God stops, but we don't. God is modeling for us how to live. What we need more than anything, God is saying, is you need perspective and a deep breath and encouragement and reflection and silence and communion. We sit first because of what he's done, then we walk. A lot of us, I feel this in the room right now, a lot of us are already looking for a way out of this. Thoughts of, yeah, but... He's God, and this is creation. This is the Old Testament. Well, if it's just the Old Testament, if it's just creation or something that happened long ago, let me put in front of you Jesus. Jesus, who is God and who was there in creation. Jesus, who regularly left the crowd, regularly left ministry opportunity to go and be with the Father. In the middle of crowds who needed him, Jesus walked away. Rest. There's one story about Jesus in a boat. There's a life-threatening storm. The disciples are in the boat freaking out. Where's Jesus? He's on the boat. The storm's going to kill him. Jesus is sound asleep. Even in a storm, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Religious leaders were always trying to catch Jesus. They were always trying to corner him. One moment, they had confronted him about working on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is the day that uh, God's people, the Jews, would cease from working, 
We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But on the Sabbath, Jesus and his disciples were working. They were trying to get food. And they came to him and they confronted him. Why are you working on the Sabbath? And here's what he says. He says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. We're created for rest. The Sabbath was made for man. What he's saying is this, you need it. You need it. You need the Sabbath. You need rest. How quickly do we forget who we are? How quickly do we forget who God is when we don't take time to think about him? The second thing is this. First, we were created for rest. The second is we're actually commanded to rest. It's not just a good idea. It's a command. If you're familiar with the story in Exodus, God's people had been uh, delivered out of slavery, over 400 years of slavery, and uh, to the Egyptians. There was a Pharaoh. They, um, they were terrible to God's people and their identity, their self-worth, uh, generations of people who all of who they were were caught up in what they produced, slavery. Their very lives depended on how much work they did. And God writes this. So after they're delivered from the hands of the Egyptians from slavery through Moses, if you know the story, the part in the Red Sea, um, here's what God writes. He gives them 10 commandments. You know about the 10 commandments? Here's one of, and actually the longest commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." There's two commandments out of the Ten Commandments that are long, quite long. This one is the longest. How interesting is that? Don't murder. That's one. <laughs> Don't lie. Don't steal. That, those, you know, one sentence. And here is all of this about the Sabbath. You know the second longest is when God says, Don't worship any other idols. I am a jealous God. For us today, just like all of these other commandments, not resting is actually idolatry to work. It is putting something ahead of our relationship and our life with God. Sabbath rest restores our memory. It makes us think about God and it confronts the idolatry in us. All these idolatries are rooted in lies, and here's the lies. One, we are God, you are not. We think of ourselves as all-powerful. We think of ourselves as all-knowing. We think that we can be everywhere all at once. Only God are those things. We're none of them, but at the core of our work addiction is at least one of them, if not all of them, all the time. Lack of rest comes down to really one primary thing, lack of trust. The second lie is this, that we are machines. When the slaves were delivered out of Egypt, 
They got into the wilderness. They were used to just producing, and their identity was production for generations upon generations upon generations. So when they got free on their way to the promised land, they weren't producing anymore, and they freaked out. And actually, because our idolatry is rooted in a lack of trust, They freaked out because they didn't know if God was truly going to deliver them or truly going to provide for them. And here's what they said. Now imagine this. They were slaves and now they're not. Here's what they said. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Might seem crazy sitting here today to think about this as a plausible reaction or a plausible thought, but it's no different from us. We want to be machines. We struggle to see ourselves as anything different. We want to produce and we want to get our identity out of that. But we're not, and they weren't either. And the third lie is this, is that we don't need anyone and we're actually better off alone. If I can just produce, if I can have my identity in that, That will be who I am. Sabbath involves really three things, rest. First off, you are created for people. You are. You are made for rest, and part of that is people. We need each other. We need communion. We also need communion with God. Both of those things can actually exist at the same time. Sabbath is about worshiping God. Sabbath is about time with friends, family, in the church, Sabbath is about time with God. We're made for each other, we're made for solitude, most importantly, we're made for communion with God. That is the key. This is my last point, you gotta hear me here. Rest is ultimately fulfilled and found in a person. It's found in a person. It's interesting how Jesus describes himself. We love the idea of Jesus being the Lord of the harvest. That sounds super cool. I'm in on that. The Lord of the harvest, man, I could talk about that every week. But you know what else he says he's the Lord of? He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Lord of both. I wanna invite you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine something today. Imagine walking up to Jesus. And here's what he says to you and everybody in this room. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You Sir, ma'am, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can open your eyes. God does, Jesus does have a requirement to come to him. You must be weary, you must be heavy laden, must have heavy burdens. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. 
What do we need today? What do you need today? I need this, I'm telling you. You and I both, we need it whether we know it or not, whether we avoid it or not, here's what you need. You need peace, you need counsel, you need wisdom, you need a deep breath, you need rest for your souls. Do you ever just think, when is somebody gonna get me out of this hamster wheel? When is somebody gonna pull me away? Please pull me away from me chasing my tail all the time trying to keep up with life and people and stuff and the weight of it. Isaiah helps us here. Here's what Isaiah says years and years and years before Jesus was born. Isaiah prophesies and to the people of God he says this, For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot at the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Listen to how he describes Jesus. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Rest is a person. It is Jesus, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, all the things that you need today more than ever before. I love vacation. (laughs) I just like the beach, man. I tell you guys all the time. You guys take vacation, man. We have vacation in this church more than any other time that I've been the pastor here over this summer. It's like, you know what? Everybody's tired of being at home. We've been gone in this church, and that's okay. One of the things I keep telling the church is this. It doesn't do you any good to take a vacation from Jesus. You ever go on vacation and come back more tired? (laughs) That happens a lot. Rest is a person. If you follow Jesus, there is no such thing as rest outside of him. We need him. Okay. So what do we do about it? What do we do about, I think we've identified, we could probably all agree, you've made your case, pastor. We are all very offended at this point. (laughs) What do we do? Uh, Jewish law held uh, the Sabbath as a day where they cease from working. And like every human who's ever been born, like every man, we've taken the good things of God and we twisted them. They actually made Sabbath something that they thought would give them merit with God. And that's when Jesus comes along, he says, look man, Sabbath was created for man, not the other way around. Jewish law held the Sabbath on the last day of the week and it had very strict rules. You couldn't even push a broom across the floor. Once Jesus was resurrected, on the first day, Christians started holding it Sabbath on the first day of the week in accordance with his resurrection. You probably have some questions about Sabbath rest. What should we do? Should we have a day? Should we burn a candle? Should we take 24 hours? What should we do? Should we be strict Sabbath keepers? Is Sunday for Christians the same as Saturdays for Jews? 
Uh, there's lots, man, lots of great godly people who believe that it is, who believe strictly that it is. I don't. The Sabbath is fulfilled ultimately and fully in Jesus Christ. He is our ultimate rest. Colossians 2 tells us this, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And in Romans 14, one person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Should we be strict Sabbath keepers, first day of the week, everybody, this is the law. I just do not believe that. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of rest. Maybe another question. Should we live in a rhythm of weekly rest, daily rest, and Sabbath? 100%. 100%. I believe our work should be hard. I believe our work should be thoughtful. I believe our work should be singing a song of worship to God. I also believe that our rest should be intentional and should be thoughtful and should be singing a song of worship to God, both equally the same. Rest is worship on the same level that work is as well. Rest with each other, rest with our families, but rest ultimately in the totally finished work of Jesus. We need rest for our souls. There is a rest giver. His name is Jesus. Today, he offers his bread and his wine, his body and his blood for you to come. All who labor and are heavy laden, he will give you rest. We're gonna take communion today.